Let's pray. Lord, you are uh, incredibly good to us. Um, you come to us by your Holy Spirit and you nudge us in our hearts and you open our eyes to see and to believe. And we find ourselves, Lord, in this, this new life with you. Uh, centered on you, centered on your word, uh, living for you and, and, and um, being in relationship with you in a way that's just a blessing. And Lord, again, we turn to scripture. We look at another passage which, um, through which you want to speak to us. And we pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you would move today. Give me the words to speak, Lord. Move in the minds of everyone who listens. Lord, do your work here today. Um, touch us. Call us further into relationship. Help us to know you more, that we might live for you, we might serve you well, out of love and out of gratitude for all you've done. So we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask a question to you. I ask, I ask questions in my preaching. I don't know whether it's uh, effective. I hope so. But my question for you this morning is essentially this. What do you do when you bump into a passage of stri- Scripture that you don't like? Did it ever happen? You know, you read something and you go, oh, I don't know. I mean, uh, is that... I mean, sometimes we do struggle. I guess the options become we can accept it by faith. Say, God's thoughts are not my thoughts. I have to trust this revelation. Another option is you say, well, I'm going to, you know, just give it a little time. I've got to process this one. You kind of put it on hold for a while. And another option is just to reject it outright. Say, no, I can't embrace that. I can't believe it. In spite of what the Bible might say. Well, today we're going to look at a passage that I think it's fairly safe to say that some people here will struggle with. It's in the context of the I am statements of Jesus, these statements which he spoke about himself in terms of describing his identity and, and telling us who he was and what that ultimately might mean for us. Um, and, and I'm going to explain why in a minute the struggle will be there, but as we celebrate and move toward the celebration of Christmas, it's not very far away, we're thinking about that child who was born in a manger in Bethlehem. We're thinking about the reality of who that child was in this entire series, of course. We're thinking about how, who he claimed to be, what he said of himself. And, you know, we've had this uh, fantastic display. It's growing, I, I, I hope you realize, with time. And we began with the statement that Jesus was the good shepherd. And here's the shepherd's crook. Uh, an ancient one, actually. And it uh, might not look like one, but it is. We got this from 2,000 years ago. No, I'm kidding. In Palestine. But, you know, and then we talked about what, what came next. Oh, the gate. The gate came next. Jesus said, I'm the gate. You can come in to the kingdom, if you would, into the sheepfold, into the family of God, and, and, and uh, become part of, of, of God's family. And you can go out through the gate to life, life abundant. And then we looked at the idea of the vine. And Jesus was the one who came uh, to do what Israel couldn't accomplish. Israel, its symbol was the vine in the day, if you knew that, uh, if you heard that sermon. He said, no, I'm the vine. <laughs> I'm the one who's here to bring glory to God. I'm the one who's here to bring the truth of God into this world. And I want you to be fruitful as you abide in me. And then following that, um, it was, I am, I am the resurrection and the life. And there's light blazing out of, uh, out of a, um, um, a tomb. Jesus said, I will raise those who die in the faith of myself to new life after death. And he also said, if you really believe in me, you'll never die. There never really is a moment in time when our spirits cease to be. Life carries on in Christ. And then he said, I am the bread of life. And that was last week. And just very simply, he's saying, you know, if you will eat me, is the way he put it 
and he defined that by saying, if you will come to me and if you will believe in me, you will know life eternal. Like these are grand, powerful statements of identity. And in each one of them, we've identified Jesus as saying, uh, I'm divine. This is who I am. I am the son of God. We're going to look at another one of these statements today. And it's the statement where Jesus says in John 14, I am the way and the truth and the life. Um, it was a claim of identity. And it's really, as I'll describe to you in a minute, about that first word in particular. It's about the way to God. All right? I'm going to read to you with the verses that, are, that preceded. It's John 14, 1 to 4. They're well-known verses. They're verses where Jesus is describing the fact that he has described he's going to die and he's going to go away. He said, don't be troubled, my disciples. I'm going to prepare a place for you all. Come back and I'll take you to be with me. So he's talking about heaven and, and how he would uh, facilitate that. So let me read to you John 14, 1 to 4 to begin with. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Uh, my Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. The way to the place where I am going. That becomes the focus. He's going to take these people to heaven. And he's, he's asking them to rest in that knowledge. Well, then Thomas, who from this point forward sort of unfortunately becomes known as Doubting Thomas, asks the question that probably many were thinking at the time. Verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? It's a logical question, isn't it? To which Jesus then replied, verse 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What Jesus is saying is if you want to get to the Father, if you want to get into a relationship with God, if you want to get to heaven, this is the context, you've got to come through me. I am the means. I am the mechanism. And then verse 7, just to add this in here, and again, it's, this is again Jesus' claim to divinity. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. It's like, Thomas, you, you want to see the Father? Look here. You, you can't miss the identification with God in that statement. Never mind what he has said previously. So there's an important reality that Jesus un is unpacking here. Um, not to say that the truth and the life aren't important. Jesus has referenced these things numerous times. You know, he's come along and he said, you know, I'm the good shepherd. And in Psalm 23, we looked at it, and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's truth. Jesus has spoken it. We've talked about... Um, talked about the gate, you know, it, it, you know, salvation, entering into the kingdom of God is through me, you know, the resurrection and the life. You know, I will raise those who die in, in faith. And as a matter of fact, because of me, you'll never die. Like, th these are profound statements of truth. It's under the bread, you know, if you believe in me, as I've said before, you will know eternal life. There's a consistency in everything that Jesus is saying. And, and, and truth is incredibly important. And he has spoken it to them, and he claims to be speaking it to them again when he says, I am the way to God. Um, but it's at the end of this, these verses that I have described to you that some people in our culture really struggle. When Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Some of you may struggle with that because, because it's so prominent in our thinking in, 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 in this world of ours. You see, but what Jesus actually is saying, there is no other way to get to the Father. 
you know, he's not saying, I am a way to the Father. He uses a definite article, I am the way to the Father. That's just the reality of, of, of his statement. Um, and he's saying, I, am alone, I alone am it. There are other ways that people think you can get to the Father, but that's not on. That's not right. That's not what I would have you believe based on who I am. And it's really important to recognize that in this instance, and this is, this is maybe the statement I'd have you hold on to today, but it's God establishing God's way to get to God. I'll say that again. This is God, the Son of God, establishing God's way to get to God, which is a pretty profound thing if you really think about it. You know, how do you get into relationship with the Father? How do you find forgiveness from the Father? How do you gain acceptance of the Father? How do you know the love of the Father? How do you know His presence through eternity? Well, you know it through one way, and that is through me. Of course, that's all based on Jesus' death on the cross for us, what we call substitutionary atonement. I remember, you know, I was never a great athlete, but, you know, in gym class and so on in high school, you see it in the NBA or whatever, playing basketball, and the coach wants to sub one player in for another, so the buzzer goes, and, you know, one person comes off the floor, another person goes on to play in the game. It's a substitution. That's exactly what happened on the cross. Jesus subbed in for us substitutionary atonement. He took our place. He died in our place. He took our penalty and our punishment. He bore our guilt and shame. All of these things, biblical realities. Um, it was Jesus who accomplished this on our behalf. But essentially what we're talking about here is called the exclusiveness of Jesus. The exclusivity of Jesus. He and no one else and nothing else can do this. He is claiming. Now, let me just say this. It's not that Jesus doesn't celebrate inclusion. All can come to him. doesn't matter who you are. Anyone can come to Jesus. What he's talking about in the inclusive, ex exclusive way is that he's the only means whereby we can get to the Father. And it's exactly at this point that people in our culture struggle. This, is, this becomes a great difficulty for people because our culture and its thinking is biased toward inclusivity and it is strongly biased against exclusivity. In other words, we believe in the equality profoundly in this society. And when people apply that understanding equality to the world of religion, they really struggle with the idea that one religion, if you would, is the way to God. See, the idea becomes if, 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 if we really believe in, in religion when it's applied to the whole religious context, well, isn't it true that all religions are of equal value and of equal worth and of equal effectiveness, if you would? And this idea that, you know, Christ and Christ alone is the way is just something that people struggle with. It's actually wrong in the minds of some people. The, the, the value of equality is held so profoundly in our culture, this becomes an offense to some people because it just doesn't match what's acceptable in their minds. But Jesus says something different. You know, I heard of a, um, uh, an academic. 
a professor from Australia a good number of years ago. He was interviewed. Um, and he bought into this idea that all religions were valid religions in terms of people getting a hold of God, getting to the Father, to use Jesus' words. Um, until his son became part of a, a religious group. And part of that religious experience was for him to go into the outback of Australia and um, engage in their initiation rites. Uh, so he did this, and, and I guess what was required of him we would now call, call self-destructive behavior, mostly in terms of uh, deprivation um, and also in terms of cutting himself, which was somewhat extensive in the end. And at that point, this academic, not a believer, uh, came to realize, you know what, I, I can't embrace this idea that all religions are of equal value anymore. Because he saw that what's happening into his precious son wasn't good. And he changed his perspective. I want to tell you, my friends, the reality is that Jesus speaks into our lives and he does not tell us <laughs> that religious systems get us to heaven. It's not part of his comment. I would even suggest to you, our religious system doesn't get us to heaven. It doesn't. You, you can participate in our religious system. You can be a good Presbyterian or a good Baptist or a good Pentecostal or whatever it might be. But if you don't get to the Father through Jesus, and that's a possibility, you're not getting to the Father. Religious systems don't get us there. So it doesn't matter what the religion is. Jesus comes along and says to me, listen, I am the way. And I am the truth, and I am the, the life, the means to life, and life eternal. You know, the reality is that uh, he's calling us to believe something, and that is in his uniqueness. That he was completely unique in this world when he came, born into Bethlehem. That he came to do what only he could do. He came to be what only he, he could be, the living son of God. Come from heaven, born in Bethlehem, to create a way for us to come to God, the way of God's choosing for us to come to God. And that indeed, through him, God has established that way. And it's not a religious system, as I have said, and you know, in Jesus' day, let me, let me make this comment. In Jesus' day, for him to make this comment, even to his disciples, would have been really shocking. Because that religious system and the thinking behind it, first century Judaism in Palestine, was all about obeying the law. And if you obeyed the law, then you would be saved. If you did not obey the law, then you, were, you would not be saved. If you obeyed the numerous laws that, that, the, that the people then observed, you would gain the acceptance of God. If you didn't obey the laws, oh boy, you're, you're in deep water. So it would really have been a shocking and even offensive thing if the Pharisees and the Sadducees and others had heard Jesus say this. But it's all rooted in the idea that human effort and good works is going to get you there. Some people were saying in that day, this is the way to God. And Jesus was saying unambiguously, no, it's not. That's not the way. He's saying, I and, I, and no other. I am the means to relationship with God. So I have a question for you that's probably more important than the initial one I asked. Honestly, in your heart of hearts, how do you feel you will get to God? 
How do you believe you'll get into a relationship with God? How do you believe that someday when this life is over, you'll get into heaven and be accepted by God? Well, I want to tell you, as was the case then, still the case today, living a good moral life, obeying the laws of whatever description is not the way to do it. It is not your behavior. It is not your action. It is not how you live. It is Jesus. I want to read to you Ephesians 2. This is a well-known passage because it's a powerful passage that describes this reality. Ephesians 2, verses 48 say, say this. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in, our, in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And here's the critical verse. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. Long pause for emphasis. This is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. My friends, I want you to take that verse seriously. See, what this verse is saying is that you are not the way. You hear that? You are not the way to God. Your behavior is not the way to God. It's not your religious system that is the way to God. The way to God, Jesus speaks, is through himself. It's by believing in him. It's by being committed to him by faith, as the text says. It is being, it is being saved by what he did, not what we have done. It is by our faith which unites us to Christ. Because of God's grace that we get into a relationship with God and we'll know eternal life in heaven with him. See, to those who struggle with exclusivity and the exclusivity of Jesus, um, I, w I want you to understand this. I would like just to put it this way to you that, that I suppose the question is, will, will, will we, those of us who struggle, will, will there be an acceptance of the word of God and the words of Jesus, believing what he said, believing in what he did, or will there be an acceptance of what is common in the culture? Um, because these two realities are in stark contrast. You, you get that. Like there's a collision course uh, with these two realities. And in the, in the end of the day, I think what Jesus was saying, what he's saying to us now, is we need to choose. We just need to choose. Let me say this, and I've studied history. I did that at university for years, and I've studied it lost, lots since. But culture will change. Culture has changed to bring us to this point. Culture will change again, and then it will change again, and then it will change again. But what does not change the word of God? The means of salvation which God has established, it too will never change. 
And if we will believe and if we will embrace what God says and if we will recognize who Jesus was as the unique son of God who died on the cross, the thing that only he could do for the forgiveness of sin so that we might be reconciled to God, if we will just embrace that and believe it to the core of our being, we will align ourselves with him. We will connect ourselves with him. Because of him, we will know eternal life. You know, we're, we're moving as I've said, toward Christmas. And I think of Bethlehem. And I think, why Bethlehem? Um, Why a young couple who at least for some years lived in um, disrepute because of what people thought um, had produced a pregnancy in Mary? And then why an infant? Why did God come as an infant? and go through the process of gestation and birth. Why a cattle trough? A manger, but it's just, you know, a a trough through which cattle and sheep or whatever ate, from from which they ate and probably slobbered into, right? Why a little obscure town in Israel? Why Israel? Israel? an obscure town in the Roman Empire. See, Rome was a place of power and of glory and of might, not Israel. Well, you know, I honestly don't know the answer to all those questions, but what I do know that this was God's way of doing things. It was his choice to do it that way. And in that way, Jesus came to make a way to him. The divine Son of God dying in our place. The uniqueness of Jesus producing a unique way to God. You know, the whole Christmas story is consistent with this. Joseph was visited by an angel, and the angel told Joseph that Jesus would be Emmanuel, which means... God with us. Another angel came. I'm not sure of that, but an angel came to Mary and she said that Jesus, the one that she would carry, would be be called the Son of the Most High and that he would reign forever. He, He, Jesus, was conceived by the Holy Spirit, which means literally God was his Father. What did the Magi do when they found him? They worshipped him. You see, my friends, it's God who is worshipped. And the reality is that, that in the end of, end of the day, it's part of this whole dynamic of what Jesus is saying to himself. And we're winding down here and we'll... Another couple of messages about this. But in the end of the day, what Jesus is communicating through all of these symbols that are before you and the teaching that he brought to us is he was, it, he was saying the same thing. I'm the son of God. I'm the divine, eternal God who has come among you to do what only I could do. And our question simply becomes, who was he? Can I believe that? I want to tell you, if we do believe that, then we can recognize that he not only was exclusive in terms of his identity, but 
The salvation that he described comes only through him. So with this sermon and with others, I am here to ask you, who do you believe Jesus was? Do you believe this? Because according to Jesus, if you want to find your way to the Father, you've got to go through him. You know, the reality is that some of the things the Bible calls us to believe because of our cultural context and because of our humanity are not easy to believe, but we're called to believe what Jesus said about himself. And we're called to believe what Jesus did on the cross on our behalf. And we're called to believe in the exclusivity of Jesus in terms of being the way to God. Do you believe it? I hope, my friends, with all of my heart, that you do. And that out of that belief comes a relationship with God. And out of that belief comes pure worship before him because of who he was. Let's pray. Lord, Christmas takes on a, an entirely different dynamic when we recognize who you were. Who was born that night in Bethlehem? Who was laid in the manger? Who it was that went to the cross in the end to bear the sin of the world? Who it was that rose from the grave to be Lord of all? Who it is now, Lord Jesus, in whom we trust. Because, Lord, it is in you and in you alone that we might know the Father have our sin forgiven, enter into that relationship of grace and of love. Lord, I pray for people gathered here today and people who are listening online. I just pray that you would be at work in them by your Holy Spirit. And Lord, if they have to struggle with these things, I pray you'll help them to struggle with it. If they have to put it on hold for just a little while, I pray that while they do so, that they'll really be thinking these things through. And I pray that you will lead them to believe about, what, about Jesus, what Jesus believed about himself. And I pray that every one of us will come to that place where we think of getting to the Father, getting to heaven someday, Lord. And we realize that it is only through you, only through Christ, only through what he did on the cross on our behalf. Lord, I would pray that all of us gathered together, all of us listening, we would find that way. That we would believe in him as he called us to. That all of us would know the Father. And that all of us someday will gather again in heaven. So that through eternity we might worship you. Do the work, our God, that only your Holy Spirit can do in us and lead us in the way to you. So we ask in the name of Christ.